0: Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing an article from the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Overgrazing Pastures. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the author, Brad Schick, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. Thanks for joining me today, Brad. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Brad, we've seen some pretty dry conditions across much of Nebraska this year, and with those dry conditions, I think we increase the risk of overgrazing pastures. And that's really the focus of the article that you wrote. Give some perspective on when overgrazing occurs and what are some management practices we need to pay attention to to prevent that from happening, as well as explain to us really what's the detriment of overgrazing.
1: Yeah, Aaron, well, you know, overgrazing happens more frequently during a drought or drier conditions. You know, we typically have that Set number of of animals we may have on on a pasture or paddock or or an operation and and we want to keep those there as long as we can. The problem is that uh, the life of the pasture uh, might be more damaged than the life of that animal if we if we overgraze too severely. One of the the worst things we can do to a, a pasture is overgraze so much that it starts affecting the roots now. We always have some root uh, loss uh, from from defoliation or from grazing. That's just the nature of of grazing. The problem is when we graze the those grasses so much that it really starts to reduce the strength of those roots, the ability of those roots to access nutrients. So when we think about our kind of our take half, leave half, fifty uh, percent removal that's usually enough to allow for those roots to to at least maintain some sort of good growth. If we get beyond that, and they multiple times grazed on that single plant, those roots are gonna start to actually uh, die die back and reduce. A lot of that's gonna come from our our fine root hairs, our fine roots, but that just eliminates the ability to access nutrients and water and, and things of that nature.
0: So I guess just to kind of maybe put this in another set of terms, when we've got this plant, when it initiates growth in the spring, that growth is coming from carbohydrates in the roots. And when livestock come along and they bite that new growth off, we're actually using energy stores in the roots to send up new shoots again. And when we have a situation like drought, uh, we're we're adding another stress to that plant. And that plant really doesn't have an opportunity to recover before it's grazed maybe severely again. And successive grazing of that kind of occurs, especially on preferred species, that's going to have a detrimental impact to our species composition and total productivity.
1: Right. And without that grass blade growing back, uh, it can't photosynthesize and it can't help create more of those carbohydrate storages. So then it just becomes a a waterfall effect of uh, calling on those reserves again And it just becomes detrimental the longer it goes to.
0: Another thing I think is important and I think really stands out in a year like this is when when that plant is stressed, uh, we're going to have less growth present. We're going to capture less moisture when it falls. What I mean by that is having plants present to intercept rain as it comes helps to capture that, get it into the ground. Also, our ET rate, our evaporation rate is probably going to go up because we have Uh, less shading uh, the ground is hotter so we start to have as you said almost a cascading or waterfall effect snowball effect when we overgraze.
1: Right and and then it opens up literally opens up the canopy to to other opportunists so our weeds that are unwanted uh, provides them to get light provides them to better compete a lot of times with the uh, the preferred forages too and then it, again, it kind of causes, like you said, that snowball effect. Uh, and, and then it starts affecting our, our soils, um, creates more opportunity for uh, erosion. Uh, in some areas, the like compaction, uh, if it's grazed, uh, depending on your soil type, if it's if it's grazed on an area uh, heavily and those animals are out there longer too. Uh, so it can it can go south uh, real fast.
0: So Brad, if we're in a situation where maybe we're looking at a pasture and we realize, you know what, uh, we overgrazed this year. We, we had animals in there longer than we should have, or maybe we had too many animals for the period of time we had them there. What do we do to mitigate that and move that pasture back in the direction we want to go as we
1: look forward? You know, some of the things that would be done more short term would be uh, obviously getting those animals off, right? Uh, Now, if it's if the pastures at a point where all the damage has been done to the drought and there's no chance of regrowth, uh, then you can still kind of stay on there and graze essentially standing dormant hay. Um, But still, you're going to have some detrimental effects to soil and things like that, uh, potentially with that. You know, one of the things you can do um, is is rotate pastures. A lot of times that only works if it's already in a rotational system. So if you're not in a rotational system, some other things need to be done. One option is uh, dry lotting. Uh, not everyone has that option, but it is an option to dry lot cows or calves. Culling your cows early, trying to take some pressure off as much as you can. Weaning early. One thing that can be done too is to provide some hay uh, in the pasture too. Now that's more more work too, and, and it's gonna have to be done regularly. But uh, that is an option, too. The thing is, is that if you do use that pasture where they're currently sitting as a place to feed, that may become more of a sacrifice area. Um, and we know that with other feeding hay situations in the winter and a lot of times when, we, when we're feeding hay out. But that needs to come Uh, into consideration, we think about uh, making that decision of of feeding hay uh, really heavily in in one of those pastures that's already past recovery.
0: Brad, do we want to think differently about types of pastures we have? I'm thinking here about native grass, maybe Sandhills range, versus uh, improved species like smooth brome or fescue. How would we manage those differently? Should we manage those differently in this kind of scenario?
1: Uh, yeah, the, the, the short answer is yes, they should be managed a little differently. Um, you know, when you have a situation, uh, like it's like saying a smooth brome grass uh, pasture or more cool season grass pastures, uh, you know, they still have the opportunity to get some rains and get some growth uh, in the cool season, which would be the fall. Um, so, so there's an opportunity there that still has some some hope there, right? With the native warm seasons or any warm season for that matter, you know, it's a little, it's a little trickier. Um, We depend really heavily on spring rains uh, for the full year production, whether it's cool season or warm season pastures, especially in native range. Um, We saw that in, in 2012 drought, um, some data from, from Barter Brothers Ranch and, and I think Goodmanson Sandhills Laboratory as well. So really given those a break and getting off and potentially not going into those heavily grazed pastures right away early next year. Um, Try to give them a break. Try to allow them to to kind of get some strength back in their grasses and their roots. You know, that's not always possible, but anything we can do to head towards that direction, it's just going to be better for uh, the long-term pasture.
0: Well, Brad, I think that's a great point, especially on native grass species. Some growing season deferment, especially during rapid growth windows for our preferred grass species as we look to 2021, especially on range and pasture that's maybe been challenged a little bit this year, maybe be damaged a little bit. That means we probably need to reduce stocking rate. We maybe need to re- delay turnout as we think about 2021 and already be planning that now, I think looking ahead thinking about the cattle maybe we're going to carry through the winter into next spring, Uh, maybe thinking about what we're doing in terms of retaining replacement heifers. I think some of those decisions can be made now looking forward to next spring. Again, I know that's seven, eight months away, but I think we know in many cases we're going to need to give these pastures some opportunity to rest and recover during the growing season next year if we're going to move them back in the direction we want them to go.
1: Right. And I think you you also mentioned kind of the class of livestock, right? So if you have stockers on your, in, in your management plan as part of your operation, well, that's part of your drought mitigation plan to begin with. So already there, that's an opportunity to add some flexibility uh, with you talk about with weather, with, with markets. Um, that's something to consider too. And it adds a little bit of um, diversity to an operation. And when things aren't so good in one area, they might be a little bit better than the other. Now, obviously, Uh, if it's drought, it's drought. And if there's nothing to eat, uh, you're still going to be, it's still gonna be detrimental to any size herd you have or any type of class of livestock you have too. But that's just something to consider in the future too.
0: Anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic, Brad, as we wrap this up?
1: I think the last thing would be that, you know, the decisions uh, aren't necessarily easy. Um, They need to be taken into consideration very, uh, very seriously. And And that uh, whether keeping animals or selling animals or or feeding hay or not, uh, the the decision should be to make sure that those pastures are kept productive uh, for years to come because um, that's the the base, literally the ground on which our operations um, are founded. Thanks again for joining me today, Brad. Thank you, Aaron.
0: For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, we have a number of resources related to this topic.